Hi, welcome to Seattle Mama Doc. This is Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here to help you face these challenges head on. All right, I'm talking about something near and dear to my kind of um, mama brain, but also my pediatrician brain. I sit on the executive committee on the American Academy of Pediatrics Council on Communications and Media. It's a group that I've been sitting on the executive committee for for six years. So two times a year, I fly out to a meeting and sit around the table with researchers and pediatricians and policymakers really on how do we advise the public on using screens and digital media and how do we interface even with the public on on guidance. Um, So As you probably have heard, there are new guidelines that our committee has released through the Academy of Pediatrics to help parents make good decisions kind of growing up digitally. You know, as these years have unfolded, it's all going so fast, and the research is always going to lag behind the technology development. So when we had released our policy statement some years back in the 2010-2011 time, you know, iPads were just hitting the market then, and we didn't talk a lot about them in the policy because it takes a year and a half to get a policy statement through. So... These guidelines are really to reflect the changing landscape and the realities that parents are making common sense choices every day, how to live with their own devices, and how to raise their kids. So let me just give you a little bit of background, though, on why this really matters and why I think we have to think carefully about how we parent and raise our kids with media. You know, when you look at research for young kids, that means kids now with the new guidelines, really, under 18 months of age. Dr. Jenny Radeski, who's a researcher at University of Michigan, does a good job really looking at the family unit. She's the one who did some studies even evaluating families in fast food restaurants with their cell phones and found that parents were more snappy. They were more short-tempered. They weren't as nice to their kids when they were using their phones at the dinner table. You know, I mean, just thinking about, like, who are we when we're trying to do two things at once with our devices? But as they and, – and she's got a, um, a research expertise in – in developmental pediatrics, and she's really found that basically when you look at young minds, like lab-based studies, really find that kids of that young age don't take in very much information of what they see in 2D screens. So those two-dimensional screens of any screen, so your phone, your tablet, your computer, or a television, they have kind of immature attention control as well. And and they just don't have a great way to take in that information and have it be meaningful. So why studies have found that if you talk to your baby, sing to your baby, or if your baby's in a room where a family's talking, they learn language. If you plunk them in front of a TV, they don't. You know, so the other thing is like, what are you doing? Yeah, you're maybe using an electronic babysitter, but the a stack of books and blocks and toys in a playpen environment is probably better for your kid than you turning on a screen and running to take a shower. Leave your kid alone in a safe place, but don't use a screen. It's just not going to make them smarter, let alone they're not going to take very much in of it anyway. And in the first three years of life, the brain is learning how to think. So Dr. Dimitri Christakis, who does research here at Seattle Children's and um, has done, you know, internationally renowned informational research really on how is a brain, as it's developing, kind of being trimmed and clipped, meaning that your brain cells make connections and learn how to think in the first few years. And then you you make tons and millions and millions of them, synapse connections every single second, or not millions every second, but throughout the, the days that a child is learning. And what you find then is that of those connections that are made, those 
hundred billion connections that are in the human brain. The, the brain is developing and amassing connections. I mean, at brain, uh, excuse me, at birth, the brain is about 330 grams. And at two years, it's 999 grams. It triples in size. So it is amassing volume and weight and connectivity. And then your brain learns how to think. It, it's like trimming a, a hedge. You clip back Basically, connections that make sense to make you efficient and thoughtful, have self-control, have a working memory, have cognitive flexibility. And what research has actually found is how kids do well in life is that their self-control is the most important. And we think screens at those young ages decreases the good connections being solidified and keeps some of them that you don't want. So that really fast-paced media in early childhood doesn't do your, your, your body probably or certainly your brain as it's developing any good. You know, in addition, we know that kids are overweight more likely if they have a lot more media use. So the more media your kids use, not just because they're sitting and sedentary, but they're going to be exposed to advertisements that changes how they think about eating and what they want to eat. And we know that that increases their likelihood of having an unhealthy weight. So we want to just prevent some of these negative outcomes. It's not because we're, we want to ban things in kids and as parents, right? We want to think about compartmentalizing and think about, you know, how, how we use these. And, um, you know, I loved one of the quotes at the Academy meeting in San Francisco in October where Dr. Kostak has said, you know, children need laps. They don't need apps. So in young ages, your baby gets so much more from being with you or with three-dimensional toys than they get from having an app. So don't be misled that this is going to make your baby smarter. No single study out there that shows that a kid under 18 months of age is frankly getting anything from a screen, let alone doing any good. And there is data to show that it's distracting to how they think. They can only do one thing at a time. So if they're playing on the ground in a room where a TV's on, they're going to get distracted from their play and the way that they're thinking will be disrupted. You know, at the American Academy of Pediatrics meeting as well, Dr. Michael Rich, who practices at Boston Children's with Harvard, said, you know, as we've gained connectivity, we've lost connectedness. And that, I mean, I think that's the elemental and essential thing that's happening here. Like, we all want intimate, thoughtful, loving relationships with our kids. We love our devices and the connection that it's got and given us in our lives with social media and everything else. But in these young kids, and even in older kids, we have to think really carefully about kind of how we use them. So I love the device-free dinner campaign that Common Sense Media is doing, which is like, you know, turn the TV off during dinner always. Don't have your phone out at breakfast or your laptop out, which I am guilty of at times, at breakfast. I mean, have meals together as a family. You know, 73% of parents say that, you know, they use devices while they're eating with their children. And, you know, we know that when they're doing that, there's, you know, 20% less verbal conversation if there's a device out and 39% fewer nonverbal interactions. It just means you're talking less to your kids. You're interacting with your kids significantly less. Um, and parents, you know, basically really don't want this. So we just have to kind of be a little bit, I think, more um, – we have to be more regimented with ourselves that way. So as you're thinking about these recommendations, right, this is not about guilt. It's just thinking like how can we have our kids thrive? How can we help their brains develop in these really critical periods, particularly in the first 1,000 days of their lives when they're learning how to speak and think and listen and and act, actually, you know, <laughs> learn how to be a human being? And the screens in the very early time isn't going to do them a lot of good. So just reduce it as much as you can. And I think at 18 months, one of the things that we think does start to happen is kids can start to have communication with other people in their lives. So at 18 months of age, if you're going to FaceTime with grandma or a friend or interact with your baby while you're traveling or your toddler while you're traveling, that's a good way to use media. If you're ever using media in toddlerhood, I'd say this, you know, I could never chastise a grandparent 
who has a, their phone out with an app where they're singing and talking and pushing on it and looking at colors and shapes and interacting with their toddler. If you're playing and you're getting prompted to play and talk and relate and laugh and giggle with your toddler, that's a great thing to do. It's just thinking about how much you do that versus, you know, certainly trying to decrease the amount of time that you use that, you know, that babysitter type way. So the no more than two hours of screen time is gone. That rule is gone. You just want to be strong and understand that if you're using a screen in an infant or young toddler, it's not going to do them any good and it might disarray the way they think. So think about just offering your kids something else as best you can. And then at 18 months, think about really trying to use interaction along using media apps and FaceTiming things as you move forward. Once your kids are real earnest-to-goodness toddlers and preschoolers, you're still got to think about the amount of time you're using the screens. I think most all kids now are using screens in some way, and Common Sense Media Data backs that up in toddler and preschool time. And think about trying to restrict it to around an hour a day. So that means, as best you can, too, you want to be using consumption that's co-viewed. So again, grandparent or parent or you sitting and playing with an app with your kid is so much better than you just handing a device over to your kid. Your kid will figure it out because they're so stinking smart. But we know that those two-dimensional screens aren't showing a ton of enhanced learning. We know that co-viewing does improve interaction and enhances learning, but leaving your kids on their own probably doesn't. You know, that way you experience it and then you help decipher it for kids. So that's what we're doing with our kids all day long. And, you know, using a device to prompt that or in a shared experience is great. So if you're doing an app with your kid, explaining it to them, talking about it after it's done, talking about the characters in it, whatever it is, that's an awesome way for you to interact with them. If they're watching and streaming a 20-minute video or something, making sure you pop in and out so you know what it's about so you can talk about it after. That way you're just ambassadoring what's going on in the world around them. Another thing, timing matters. So, you know, that we're talking about constraints. So number one, you want to constrain how much you're using media. So ideally in these younger kids, no more than an hour a day. The next thing, you want to work on co-viewing whenever possible, particularly with the young kids. You want to just play and interact and see everything that they're doing. And then content matters. So this is a new part of the Academy's statements, really, particularly with young kids, of saying you want to avoid fast-paced, distracting, and violent video, screen, or any exposure with young kids. We know it doesn't make them more empathetic or kind, and we know it can confuse them and contribute to the ways they think about violence and aggression. So making sure you're thinking about the content. Two recommendations that come out that I love is, number one, Sesame Workshop Productions makes great content. So go and look up Sesame. They have an app online. They've got, you know, Sesame Street that goes on. That's a great piece of programming for preschoolers. And the Academy knows that the evidence and the research that they use to make that content is good stuff and you can believe it. So it's a good, trustworthy place. In addition, when you're thinking about curation and the content and deciding what your kids watch, use the Common Sense Media app. It's free. Download it on your phone. Go online. You plug in your kid's age. And then you can read about every app, movie, video, way back to the thing that we watched when we were kids. And they give you kind of age-based recommendations saying, yep, this is good for kids, let's say, four and up, or this is good for kids six, but then they explain why. So if you're not so worried about one thing or more worried about another, you can adjust to what you think. Make sure every time your kids are downloading apps, every time you guys are co-viewing and looking at different content, 
you know, use the Common Sense Media app. I learned when I was at the conference from Dr. Jenny Rudusky, we were talking about Minecraft, for example. So it's a really creative place, not using the combat mode or whatever it's called, but just using the creative space. Kids can build and discover and play. Like, it's great for school-age kids like my own kids. But one of the things that she does is she says, okay, you know, she limits it. So she says a certain amount of time. So you say, okay, you get 30 or 45 minutes in Minecraft. And then what she does, which made me feel like such a Dumbo mom, I'd never thought about it. But at the end of it, she makes her kid come and give her a tour of everything that he's built and where he's been. So then all of a sudden, you get to see what did your child just build? So as opposed to just building something on Legos, which our kids do, or building something or drawing something and having them show us, you go into their world after they've built it and you get to see it. That way you get to respond to it and decipher it and explore. So that's co-viewing. You've curated an app that you think is great. You're using it in a way that you think doesn't you know, increase violence or aggression. And then you download and decipher the world with your kids thereafter. So another thing, turn off distractions. So that means that it's it's part of compartmentalizing this, right? You don't want a random TV on all the time. We know kids are interrupted when they're playing, thinking, reading, doing homework, when they are distracted that way. So when you're not actively sitting down to watch something, turn it off. We know that's true for preschoolers, but also for older kids as well. And making sure you're compartmentalizing by not having TV on during mealtime. But the last thing, and this is so important, is This is true for young kids. This is true for, (laughs) frankly, all of us at older age. Not using screens as best we can an hour before bedtime. We know it hypes up your brain. We know in particular there's data to show that those small devices, so phones or tablets that are interactive, are even more revving up of your brain. It makes it harder for kids to fall asleep. We know kids who use devices with an hour and of bedtime have less sleep and less quality sleep and takes them longer to fall asleep. We also know the blue light that comes from all these devices decreases your natural melatonin spike. That's the hormone that helps your brain go off to sleep. So just make a good rule. Like you don't have to you don't have to police this stuff as much. If you make a good rule and say before an hour of bedtime, get rid of it. So that, you know, making sure that these devices sleep in the kitchen and not right at bedside is a really great way to get them out of kids' habit. They can tell their friends, like, come nine o'clock, they're off their phones, you know, at age eleven. And or with your young kids, if the habit is after dinner to let them watch a video or interact with something great because that's like the way that you can survive as a working parent or a stay-at-home parent is after dinner to have a little time where you're not entertaining. But then make sure there's an hour before bedtime in between that interval of time. We can all have a better time raising <laughs> with these devices. We're all, you know, the dopamine surges in our brains. That's a that's a really happy hormone in our brains. The minute that we hear bings or bleeps or we interact with these screens and these screens are more and more useful and embedded into our lives, we're not going to get rid of them. We just have to think carefully. So, you know, you want to compartmentalize your use. You want to co-view whenever you can. You want to curate, meaning you want to use common sense media to go determine how to use these apps. And then we have to, to turn, you know, get smart about turning them on and off when we can. Our interactions in life, are dependent on our connection to each other. And all this connectivity is getting in the way of this connectedness. And I think we just have to keep practicing how to use these devices. So some easy run-of-the-mill summaries. You know, under 18 months, these screens are never going to do any good. Avoid them as best you can. Use them to communicate with loved ones and family members and sit together and play with them. And then as your kids get older, try to compartmentalize these screens, not right before bedtime, not at meals, and try to limit their entertainment use of screens to about an hour a day. And just make sure and check in with how you know your kids are using both social media and also using these devices um, to learn and gain connection to others. 
Whew. That's a quick summary of the new screen guidelines that came out. We'll put some content up on Seattle Mama Doc blog as well that'll give links to the Sesame content, to Common Sense Media and its apps, and then even more information about older kids as well. We're all going to have screens, likely, or there'll be other kinds of technology as we get older. And this is just about feeling awesome about making smarter choices. Because the reality is, parenting is a high-stakes job. And the good news is, you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc Podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 